0: All right. Let's look in the book of Acts tonight. Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one. It is good to be home. Glad to glad to be at home. Uh, going away always makes me happy to come back to our church. And uh, even when it's even when it's good, even when it's bad, it always makes me glad to come back to our church. I really appreciate what we have here. I really am thankful. There's not a this is not the biggest church in the country, but I really do believe that it is one of the best, if not the best, and uh, we've got a handful of folks here that will sing out during the congregations. We've got a handful of folks that can take some pretty straight preaching, and uh, so that's kind of what I want to preach to you about tonight. I want to preach to you about our church. At the name of the message I, I'm going to call Regaining Our Focus, Regaining Our Focus uh, and tonight, I really uh, go away for a little while and uh, come back and really get a, a fresh wind. And I don't know that it's really a fresh wind as much as it is just a fresh pers- perspective, being able to see other things and see other churches and see how they do things and things right, things that we could incorporate, and then things that are not so right. And things that I want to stay away from and so uh, what I intend to do tonight is just to re-up. I intend to recommit and re-recommit to being the pastor of this church and I wanna do my best. I don't want to I don't want to go out and die. I don't want to go to the grave and look back at on my deathbed and say, Boy I could have done things a whole lot better. At least I could have done things with a lot more heart. I don't I don't want to do that at all. And so I'm going to do my best, God being my helper. God being my helper, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to do my best to throw myself into this and just do everything that we can. And, you know, a lot of times you do that in your own Christian life. You determine, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really do this. I'm going to really... And we, I hope you understand when I say I'm going to do this. I, I, I think you understand when I say that I mean do it with the help of the Lord. But you determine in your mind, man, I'm going to do this. And then you go on for two or three months and then you stop doing it. And then the devil used that to say, well, don't start up again because all you're going to do is just stop again. Well, that may be true. But when you stop again for the second and third time, do it again. Start up again. Hey, it's not right. It's not good that we're the inconsistent people that we are. But that's who we are. That's just who we are. And Lord, forgive us for that. May God forgive us for that. And we should all be on an altar and say, God, help us with that. But in the meantime, we'll avail ourselves of the blood of Jesus Christ and avail ourselves of his help and his mercy. And, And so long as we live, man, all we can do is just do what we're able to do. Amen. Amen. So I want to preach to you tonight about regaining our focus. And I really don't have a text verse per se here in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, I hope I told you where to go. But Acts chapter 1 is really where I want to go. And uh, I don't really have one particular verse that I want to look at. I really want to look at the whole chapter. So I, I'm not really going to read a passage, I, but we'll pray and then we'll take a look at this. But before I pray, let me just say this. You're not going to, we as a church are not going to have a very good focus if we don't know two things. First of all, if we don't know who we are. Now, you could see that really very, very easily in our country that we live in. They're doing all that they can to, to disconnect you from your roots. Everything they can. My brother just told me, which I had heard that they were trying to do this foolishness, but I guess they got it passed and it cost them, cost us taxpayers $42 million to do it. They're taking off all of the names from these military bases and they're changing them because a lot of those military bases are tied to Civil War officers. Uh, I believe Fort Bragg was one of them, Fort A.P. Hill. Those Those are Civil War officers. And so they're trying to change those names. You say, for what purpose? Just for the simple fact of erasing those names from your mind so that you don't know who those people are so that you can forget about your history. You can forget about who you were. You can forget about the fact that there was a war, not over Negro slavery, over states' rights. That's what it was over. And so I'm not really trying to preach a message about that, although I'm not necessarily afraid of doing that, but I haven't studied for that sermon. So we'll maybe preach that at some other time in some other uh, forum. But all I'm saying is that you can see it going on in your country. What people want to do is they want to disconnect you from your roots. And if they can disconnect you from your roots, they've got your heritage. They've got really... They've got your identity. Did you know, uh, I think I told, I told you folks a, a couple of Sundays ago, or maybe last Sunday, whenever it was before we left, I drove up to Odom and uh, I went and saw where many of my mother's kinfolks were buried, my mother's mother's kinfolks on both her mama and daddy's side. And boy, it was real, it was real enlightening to me. You, I didn't see nobody out there. All I saw was a bunch of headstones and a bunch of pieces of dirt. But I know that that's where those people are laid. And then, but to get out there and see that, man, I've got some folks in my family. They're Church of God, but those preachers, man, that was real. That was a really great blessing to me. It wasn't straighten all their doctrine, but hey, they they was doing something. Yeah, right. uh, they might have been fussing and fighting in the church. I don't know what they was doing. They sure. Uh, they produced all kinds of people that like to fuss and fight in churches. Uh, but, anyways, uh, you, you take you take a look. You take a look at where who who you people are, and that really does something to you. Well, you in the same capacity as far as a Christian, you got some roots. Uh, this this did not just start with us. This didn't start with the people that are sitting here in this place, and it didn't start in 1977 when Peoples Baptist Church was founded. It it didn't start, you know, in 1995 when I got saved or whenever it was that you got saved. It didn't start with us. It started a long time before we ever came on the scene. And what's going on in Christianity right now is people are in large part really trying to disconnect you. Not in large part. They are completely professing Christians, professing independent Baptists are trying to disconnect you from your roots. You know, uh, these, these old hymns that you sing out of the hymn book, they're good. But these new songs are just as good. I beg to differ. I, I beg to differ. These new songs that are being sung don't have the touch on them. Uh, you know and i don 't i don 't care really who that upsets i don 't know that a statement like that would upset anybody, but i don 't care if it does anyway you know there 's a lot of there 's a lot of these uh new folks you know, and it 's so tempting to call their names because I hate to just say folks I want you to know really who i 'm talking about, but in a sense i don 't feel like that 's super important but i you know you see all these Guys my age coming on the scene and it really seems like they're not, they don't have any kind of reverence. They don't have any kind of regard for the way that things were. And so it's not being carried on. Everything is changing. And I'll be honest with you. Listen to me. I'll be honest with you. There are some things I really could care less about changing. You know, the looks of a building to a certain degree, there are some elements of a building that I'm interested in keeping the look. I want things to look as traditional as possible. Now, if another preacher came in and he wanted to make things more modern, uh, that's his call. But me personally, I just like things to look as old-fashioned as possible. And I don't mean old, but old-fashioned. I just particularly, I like that look because it just reminds me of where I came from. And I feel like that's, you say, Brother Nathan, you're using that as a security blanket. Yeah, absolutely. That's my passy. You take that away from me and I'll cry. Amen. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't, I, I just, I have a hard time. I have, I'm not saying that I won't listen, but I have a hard time listening to a preacher when he gets up with an iPad instead of a set of notes. I just, you know, I I just like it old-fashioned. I I just really like it old-fashioned. I believe God's in it. Besides, what happens if your battery dies? These don't take batteries. Did you know that? That's a very sorry outline, but that's okay. We'll pray the Lord to help us if I haven't already. But I like like the old-fashioned way. I like the old-time way. Listen, that's not just a flavor. That's not just a flavor. Well, you like it old-fashioned, and these people, you know, they like the millennial way no no it's not a it 's not a way the old fashioned way is really the only way that there is. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees one day and he said uh, he said, "You heard Moses of old time say Moses is part of that old time way every time you say uh, the law says you 're quoting the old time way well if you're going moder- if we 're going to modernize everything then we 'll have to throw out the Moses of old time." And we'll have to get us a a modern rendered version of what said Moses. And that's what's coming. That's what's coming to a lot of independent Baptist churches. I mean, they're already throwing out the hymn book. You said, Brother Nathan, you going to fight over that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, listen. If a preacher comes in here and he wants to put up a screen and, you know, put on there, you know, the, the hymns so that you don't have to turn to the book. I'm not going to like that, but I, I may not say anything about that, but I'm probably not going to like it. I just, I don't care for it. I don't like it. But the moment you start taking away the hymn book and start putting in Our God's an awesome God, you know, that's a song. You know, shout to the Lord. And I'm hearing, Brother Curtis, I'm hearing all these independent Baptist preachers letting their kids sing this stuff, and it. They're contemporary songs that were sung back in the 80s and the 90s. So now it's okay. I'm not interested. I, uh, I believe. Hey, listen. I really believe. I'm not, I'm not just standing up here tonight preaching a sermon because I ain't got better nothing better to do. I'm not just saying this stuff because I'm trying to take up your time because I'm trying to make a living, you know, being a pastor. of church. I believe this stuff. And I don't believe that you have a better program than what God established. And I don't believe that I have a better program than what God established. I believe, listen, I believe if we will apply God's program, it'll work. Now listen, it may, it may get people in the church, and I'm not talking about in a building. Bodies in a building does not mean people are in the church. I'm talking about it may get people saved, or it's going to damn them to hell, but it's going to do something. It's going to do something. I am not ashamed, Paul said in Romans 1, of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is. It is the power of God. To who? Those that believe. What about those that don't believe? Well, it's still the power of God, but it's the power of God to damnation. I don't believe that. It don't matter. It's true. And if you don't believe the truth, you're going to break your neck. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's the way it's going to go. And so what, well, I got started on all that by saying, listen, we can't be a focused church if we don't know what our roots are. What was the church when we were first founded? And then the other thing that we have to know is what's our purpose? What, what are we here for? You know, people are wandering around in this world tonight. They're wandering around in this world trying to figure out what's my life all about. Why am I even here? And that's what all the dope is about. That's what all the beer is about. That's what all of the uh, illicit relationships between folks that ain't married, that's what that's all about. That's what all that stuff is about. It's, it's, a, it's a ploy to try and find some kind of meaning. What am I supposed to do with my time? What am I supposed to do with my affection? What am I supposed to do with this life that I'm living? Hey, listen, if I'm an animal, listen, if I am the product of an animal, if I am the product of an, of an animal, you better be the, the scaredest person that, that knows me because I'm coming to your house tonight, if I'm an animal. I'm coming to your house tonight to kill you and take everything you got. But you're not an animal. I am not an animal. There is a purpose. There is a reason that we're here. And listen, as far as being a part of the church, that's as far as being a person, being a human being. As far as being a church, we have a purpose. The purpose of the church is not to come and meet together, just to come and meet together in the four walls of the church and sit here and shake hands when Brother Tommy says, turn around and shake hands with somebody. That's all well and good, but that's not why we're here. We're here to get something from God so that we can go out there and... Be on the offense, not the defense. Not wait for somebody to say, Well, he's a he's a man, but he identifies as a woman. That, we're not waiting for that. See, that's what's happened to Christianity. We start we started we, we got a comfortable position and we hunkered down and we shut our mouths and, and we got on the defense when we should have been on the offense. We should have been in folks' faces, and I don't mean that in a literal sense, but we should have been in folks' faces saying, Hey, Jesus Christ died for your sins because you are a sinner and God loved you enough to send his own son to die for your rotten soul and if you'll believe him, he'll save your soul and keep you out of hell. Well, I just think that's a little too offensive. He is the rock of offense. Listen, you don't have to say something to make them mad. Jesus will make them mad. You telling them Jesus died for their sin will upset them. Some of you probably upset with me so far because I haven't even read the passage. And Brother Nathan, when are you going to let us out? When I'm done, we're going to go home. When, when we're done, when God's done, we'll go home. How you like that? I've got to get up early in the morning. I've been riding in a vehicle for nine hours today. Trust me, I understand how tired you are. I won't keep you here all night, not past 12 o'clock, all right? All right. All right. Praise the Lord. Glad we got that settled out of the way. But we're talking about regaining our focus. And that's what I want to do tonight with the Lord's help. Let's try and regain our focus. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us tonight, Lord. And, Lord, I sure do love this church, God. I thank you, Lord, for this place, God. And, Lord, I pray you forgive me. God, forgive me, Lord. I want to say forgive me publicly, Lord, for not being the witness that I should be. Forgive me, Lord, for not trying to do my part to add to your house, God, to add to your place, God, this is your house. This is your place. And God, Lord, I have been so careless, Lord, in my. Uh, zeal God and my earnestness in trying to build a church and God I pray you'd help me God I pray that you'd help me Lord to get my heart right and Lord I pray you'd help me to set the example for these folks and God Lord help me God to get out in the front Lord and do what I'm supposed to do and Lord I pray that you'd uh, Lord work on their hearts and help them God Lord I pray that you'd give them Lord a, a second wind God Lord so to speak I pray that you'd give them Lord a little bit of wind in their sails and help them Lord to go a little bit further God Lord I pray You'd give us, Lord, a little bit of fire. Lord, help us, God, not to be a dead church. Help us, Lord, not to be a church that's falling apart and just drying up on the vine and waiting to close our doors when everybody dies off and everybody goes away. God, help us, Lord, as Christians, as Christians, to be reproducing, God, to be birthing people into the family of God. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, God, Lord, to be interested and earnest, Lord, earnest about seeing somebody saved, earnest about people getting right with God. And Lord, we have no control. Lord, we have no control over the individual heart and mind of a man or a woman or a boy or a girl as far as them getting saved. But God, help us, Lord, to at least do our part. Lord, you didn't tell us to save them, but you did tell us to be a witness, God. God. And I do believe it's going to be impossible for you to save people if we as Christians, Lord, don't do our part and I pray you'd help us with that. God, forgive us, Lord, for how short we've come. Forgive us, God, for how idle we've been and Lord, I pray you help us to do more for you. God, help us. Lord, I thank you, God, for this meeting this past week. Lord, get a little shot in the arm. God, see some things. I really appreciate it, God, and I pray that you'd help us, God. Bless this little church, God. I pray that this would be a sounding board for the truth. God, I pray that the emphasis of this church would not be on the music. It would not be on the programs. It would not be on church dinners. But God, it would be on the truth. Lord, on preaching, on Lord uh, saying the right things. Lord, may the truth be exalted. May your word, God, go forth and have liberty and free course and do the work, Lord, that you said it would do if it was preached. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's look here in verse 1. The Bible says, Acts 1.1 The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles which he had chosen. Now, so far what we've read, we've read about two groups of folks. And I say groups of folks because I don't know how else to say it. But we read about an individual in verse 1. And then in verse 2, you got a group of people. The first individual you run across is Jesus Christ. And let me just say, as far as the church is concerned, Jesus is the most important thing in the church. Jesus is the most important thing Uh, Your favorite preacher is not what's important Uh, Your favorite singer is not what's important Listen, there may come a time And listen, I don't mean this disrespectfully at all But this is not a church that's absolutely busting out With a whole lot of talent Can Can we say that? I mean, am I going to offend your sensibilities if I say something like that? Good, because I'm going to say it anyway. We're just, this is not a stage or a platform for American Idol. Even if we wanted to be, this is not what that place is. Even if we turned everybody loose and said, you know, hey, just sing, and sing your gizzard out until your heart's content, this is not a place that's bursting out with talent. That's not what the church is about. Listen, there may come a time to where somebody comes in this church with a whole lot of talent. And I'm going to just be honest with you. Can, can you. Will you listen to me tonight? If somebody comes in here with a whole lot of talent, listen to me. I'm going to be doubly suspicious of them. You say, Brother Nathan, that's prejudice. That's a little bit of bigotry. Yes, it is. But I have to be. I really have to be. I hate it that it's that way, Brother Curtis, but I have to be doubly suspicious of folks that are especially talented because people in the church have this mindset that if I have talent and I sound good and I look good and everybody tells me I'm so wonderful, I must be spiritual. And the moment that somebody tells you that you're spiritual, you are heading down the wrong road. Boy, I'm not even going to waste five seconds of this sermon telling you how unspiritual I am because I know it, the Lord knows it, and if you don't know it, thank God you don't. But boy, all I can say is that people are not spiritual. I want to be. I'm laboring to be. I'm trying my hardest to be spiritual. But singing is not what makes you spiritual. Sounding good while you sing Amazing Grace or, you know, saying you ain't nothing but a hound dog, that does not make you spiritual. And the reason that people think that singers are spiritual is because when people sing, it makes them feel good. And that's why they think that's why they think preachers are full of the devil. Real preachers. I'm I'm not talking about Joel Osteen preachers. I'm not talking about preachers that are hip and cool and are sending good vibes your way. I'm talking about preachers that are really preaching and saying what God's told them to say. They don't make people feel good, and because of that, people sitting there, what's wrong with him? He he ate sixteen penny nails for lunch. No, he's just telling you what God said. Well, I just want to listen to a preacher that makes me feel good about myself. That's because you're full of the devil. That's because you're full of the devil. And you need a preacher that makes you feel bad about yourself so that you can feel good about Jesus. Listen, you're you're worthless. You're a slob. You're a jerk. You're stupid. You ain't got no sense. But Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is so kind. Jesus died for your sins when you was a worthless dirtbag. Still are. He came and died for your sins. He's a wonderful Savior. That's why when you open up with the book of Acts that talks about what the church did in its early days, what it does, the first person that you run into is Jesus. Hey, listen, if you get in a church where people are doing something and they're serving, they're serving God, they're serving God, you know who the first person they run into is going to be? It ain't going to be Brother Nathan. The first person that they run into is not Brother Wyatt and it's not Brother Willie and it's not Heidi because she's the pastor's wife and she runs the place. Huh? Huh? That's what a lot of folks think, man. Oh, that pre- and in a lot of churches, that's the case. A preacher's wife runs the church. But that's not who you run into when you get down at a church that's serving God. A church that's acting. A church that's acting. When they run into the church, they come in there and they say, Oh, who's this Jesus individual? Yes, sir. And that's who we're interested in people knowing about. We're not in... Listen. Listen, those of you folks that come and sit on the pew, God bless you for being faithful. Some of you folks sitting here, I'm not going to give you too much credit because you'll lay out next Wednesday. Huh? But God bless you for being faithful. But listen, if nobody, if, if somebody comes in this church and visits this church and they never find out what your name is, who cares? Who cares? You are not that important. Jesus is. Jesus is the one that's important. Well, I'm going down there and I just don't like the flavor of that preacher. Who cares? Is Jesus down there? Is the emphasis on the Lord Jesus Christ? You should probably keep going down there to that little block building church where it don't seem like a whole lot's going on. There's plenty going on down there if Jesus is down there. Yes, sir. The first person you run into in the actions of the apostles. That's, that's what the book really is. The acts. It's action. The first person you run into is Jesus. Huh? Listen, if the first person somebody runs into when they come in the back doors of the church is the professional greeter. Oh, it's so nice to see. We're so glad you're here. Uh, Most of those guys are fake from top of their head to the bottom of their toes. Hey, listen, uh, some of them probably as genuine and as kind. I don't want to throw a blanket statement over all of them, but my soul, man. Uh, Just be genuine. Hey, somebody come to the church. You don't have to put on the dog. You know, cussing your wife on the way to church, and then a visitor show up and you're so nice to them. You're nicer to them than you are your wife. Amen. Yeah. Well, anyways, they should run into Jesus. They should, they should run into Jesus. And then the, the, there's another group of folks that's found here in the book of Acts, and that's the apostles. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to preach too much about apostles, but I do want to bring you back to this thing of them being disciples. They're disciples. Uh, apostles are disciples that's been sent out, ain't it? Yeah. Okay, well, I got news for you. Up until the day that Jesus Christ ascended up into heaven, they were still disciples. Hey, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, they were disciples well after the Lord ascended into heaven. The Bible says in the book of Acts, I believe it's chapter 8 or chapter 9, and the disciples, not the apostles, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch, not the apostles. You say, well, Brother Nathan, that's because it was talking about more than just the 12 disciples. I understand that, but them 12 disciples didn't have the name Christian until the rest of the disciples was called Christians. And it wasn't the apostles that got that title. It was disciples. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm a grand Christian. Not if you ain't no disciple. Well, but look at all this stuff that I do. Yeah, but look at Judas. He never got labeled as a, as a Christian. He was an apostle. That's pretty good preaching even if I am doing that. That just came down from the heaven. That's true. Judas never got labeled as a, as, as a Christian, but he was a disciple and an apostle. He didn't hang around long enough to be called no Christian. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, well, I'm doing all this stuff for Jesus. Well, let me ask you something. Are you still learning? That's what a disciple is. That's what a disciple is. Them disciples learned until the day they died. Hey, you think listen, you think Peter understood everything that he needed to understand the day that Jesus ascended up into heaven? Not a chance, man. That's why the Lord had to give him a vision about that sheet being let down from heaven with all them unclean ant- He didn't have all this doctrine figured out. Of course there's some things changing in the book of Acts, but he's learning until the day he died, until the day he croaked. He was learning. Still seeing things. God, God had such an effect on him, he still saw things well after the Lord ascended into heaven. Let me ask you something. You still learning things? Hey, listen, when folks come into this church, you know what they should see? First thing they should see is Jesus. And the second thing they should see is they should see some learners. Hey, here's some folks in here that's still learning something about Jesus. They're still trying to learn something about that old book that we done threw in the trash can because we got better in later manuscripts, you know, with the apocrypha included. Let me just let me just alleviate your mind about this. Uh, the apocrypha's out of hell. That's all there is to it. Tell your friends. Tell your family. It's straight out of the pits of hell. There ain't nothing right about the apocrypha. Uh, the whole, the whole concept of purgatory comes out of one book in the Apocrypha. That's why the Catholic Church wants to put the Apocrypha in your Bible. If you take the Apocrypha, we'll start talking to you about purgatory. Purgatory ain't nowhere in the Bible. It's a fairy tale. It's a farce. It's Disney World for grown-ups. Amen. They should run into some learners. Folks should run into some learners. Hey, when the Lord comes, he should should run into some learners. That's what the disciples are first and foremost. Let me ask you something. What's the last thing you learned? What's the last thing the Lord taught you? Huh? Could you tell me? Listen, if I stopped the service right now and went around the room and said, what's the last thing the Lord taught you? What's the last thing the Lord taught you? Some of you would have to go all the way back to the day that you got saved and say, the last thing the Lord taught me was that I was a sinner. That's as far as you've gotten. Yeah. Thank God you got that far. Some folks in here ain't got that far. Yeah. But thank God you've gotten that far. And listen, listen, you are a sinner, but Jesus will save you. That's a wonderful lesson to learn, but that is not the ending place. Yeah. It's not the ending place. There's so much more to be learned. You say, well, Brother Nathan, that's what a preacher's supposed to do. He's supposed to help you with that. But the Bible gave you a commandment. He said, study to show yourself approved unto God. Study to show yourself approved. The preacher can't study to show you approved unto God. That's right. And so what what, what we find early in the book of Acts is we find some folks that's still learning. We got any learners in here? Let me say this. You can't learn if you don't hush your mouth. You know, the greatest hindrance to some folks in learning, and listen, I believe every, every individual goes through this at some point in their life. If you don't go through it in adulthood, you at the very least go through it in your childhood at some point. The, The greatest hindrance that some people have in their life to learning is the fact that they just won't shut up long enough to listen. They know everything. Uh, you ask them, you, you make a statement, and, oh, no, that's not true. I can't stand. I can't stand being corrected about details that don't matter. You ever tried to carry on a conversation with somebody about something, and, you know, you got this third party standing here that just, you know, is so willing to say everything that they know. And, you know, it's, you're getting ready to, to give details about a particular thing. You know, hey, I went down to the store on Tuesday. It wasn't Tuesday. It was Monday. What does that have to do with the story? I mean, what difference would it make if it was on flop doodle day? You know what I mean? Amen. Hey, there's there's some things that just don't matter. Uh, Listen, uh, for the know-it-all, for the know-it-all, listen to me, for the know-it-all, let me tell you something. One of the men who said he knew everything in the New Testament, that's Paul the Apostle. He said, as many of us as are perfect. That's an indication that Paul knew it all. So, Brother Nathan, I don't know that. I know. I don't believe that. I know. I know you don't believe that because you know it all. And there couldn't be possibly two people in the church that know everything. So, you're that guy. Anyways, I'm putting my tips on Paul. Amen. I put them certainly on Jesus Christ first and foremost. But if there's a man that's not Christ who knew everything there was to know about the church, if there was one in in existence, I bet you it was Paul. And you know what Paul said down uh, to that church at Galatia? He said, when I came down there, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I take everything that I know and just kind of put it on the back burner. Let's talk about the Lord. Let's talk about Jesus Christ. Well, Paul, let's talk about them sons of God over there in Genesis chapter 6. No, let's talk about the son of God. Huh? Amen. You shout right there. That's good preaching because that's true. That's true. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For the know-it-all, hey, I recommend knowing Jesus. I recommend, listen, you want a good place to start some Bible study, start with Jesus. Well, Brother Nathan, I really want to know a whole lot about redemption. Study Jesus, you'll learn about redemption. Well, I want to know a whole lot about, you know, uh, propitiation. Study Jesus. You'll figure out about that. Amen. Jesus is what you need to know. I'm not saying that's the only thing you need to know. That's where you need to go, though. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, you run into some learners. Let me say something else about them disciples. Them disciples, listen to me. Them disciples is followers. You say, well, we know, Brother Nathan, they're followers. And listen, I'm not just talking about, you know, it's a, funny, it's a funny thing. Them disciples get in there and they pack up everything they got and they go follow Jesus. You know, it's like a, you know, uh, you, you remember those little games you used to play in kindergarten? Duck, duck, duck. You walk around a circle, all the kids get in a circle and you tap their head, duck. Some of y'all never played that, so you don't even know what I'm talking about. And then the one you tap, goose, you take off running and they're supposed to get up and chase you. Uh, anyways, uh, y'all lame. That's because that's y'all don't like exercise. I know what it is. That's too much, that's too much activity, preacher. Well, uh, uh, these folks, the Lord comes by and he says, Goose. Huh? That's what he does. Hey, the Lord run into a lot of folks, did he not? Yep. Yep. Duck, duck, duck. Oh, there's one. Goose, come on over here. And you know what the funny thing about them fellows following Jesus was? None of them fellas. He found some fishermen. He found a tax collector. Did you know that God can use an IRS agent? That's hard to believe, really. That that's very wait till y'all are y'all paying taxes? Oh man. We got a chasm right here on the front. On the front, one says, "Uh huh." One says, "Uh huh." Yeah, man. There's a break between y'all. Only the cross can bridge right there. Oh, oh, boy! It just about make you mad when you start paying taxes. That's highway robbery. Uh, it ain't right to cheat on your taxes, but I understand the temptation. But did you know? Hey, did you know that God could use an IRS agent? He went over here. Hey, they. IRS cheating you're not allowed to cheat on your taxes, but the IRS is allowed yeah. huh? I mean they're the government. they're allowed to do whatever they want, so they think yeah. Brother Nathan, ain't you afraid of them listening? No, I'm preaching to them a bunch of reprobates yeah. Yeah. they need to quit stealing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean get out of people's wallets, yeah. quit taking hard-earned money yeah. Yeah. That, that you know what the problem you know why the government spends so much money they don't know how to budget. Man, They need a daddy to get in there and wear the rear end out and say, quit spending more money than what's coming in. Live within your means. Yeah. That's good for people. It's good for government. But anyways, well, that's a different sermon for a different time. But here's an old IRS tax agent. Matthew, the Lord comes by and says, come and follow me. You know what none of them fellas said? None of them fellas said, who do you think you are? What I'm doing is so much more important than what you got for me. None of them said that. You say, Brother Nathan, how do you know some of them didn't say it? I don't know that some of them folks didn't say it. You know, I kind of wonder a lot of times, Brother Tommy, if, if the 12 disciples is all that the Lord ever called. You've got, you got a list of names in the book of Matthew. I believe it's Matthew chapter 12 of 12 men that forsook all that they had. That's what they told the Lord. They said, hey, what do we get in your kingdom? We've forsaken everything. Hey, they didn't just forsake their houses and lands. Yeah. They forsook their families. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of partial to my wife. Yeah. Hey, if I go somewhere, I'm going to figure out, if I can, I'm going to figure out how to take her with me. Hey, you know, we we flew up there to Delaware. I think we flew up there this past time. We flew up, rode back. And the last time we went up there, I think I flew back. I don't like it. I really don't like it. You say, why? Because she ain't with me. Hey, them fellows, when they saw Jesus, they left their wife behind. They forsook all. None of them looked at Jesus and said, my wife is more important than you. None of them looked at Jesus and said, my kids are more important than you. And they sure didn't look at their means of income. They sure didn't make take a look at their means of providing an honest living for their family. They sure didn't look at that and say, that's more important than you. When Jesus came along and said, it's time to follow me, they somehow just magically figured out, this is the guy that we're supposed to follow. And they dropped everything. They dropped everything. Yeah. And left their, the Bible says about them fellows that was fishermen, they dropped their nets and followed him. Hey, let me ask you something. What have you dropped to follow him? What have you dropped to follow him? You know what a lot of folks is doing? Jesus come by and say, hey, come follow me. And they say, oh. Okay. All right, I'm ready. Try not to mess up these beautiful flowers or lose all that money. I know we split a church over that. Mess with the money, we split a church. Huh? I'm ready. I follow you. The Lord said, you got too much baggage. Hey, Gideon, I want you to go down there and beat the pants off of them Midianites. Gideon said, okay. And he goes out there and he gets an army, 20,000 fellows. That's a good sizable army. The Lord said, "You got too many." What, what, what do you mean? We well, come on down here, bring them down to the brook, and we'll we'll try them out. We'll see who's ready to go. And by the time he got done with that, I think there were something like three thousand. And the Lord came up to him and said, "You still got too many. Three thousand Midianites. You do realize, Lord, that this is a." foreign country they're in our land you do realize there's a whole lot more of them than there are of us at this point and you're saying there's too many you got too many well what do you mean well if you take all these people into battle as they are if that, if they get victory they're going to vaunt themselves against me you say what does that mean they're going to take the credit they're going to exalt themselves and say, look at this wonderful thing that we did. And so the Lord says, no, 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 we've got to take all that stuff away. All you need is 300. 300? Just 300. That's all you need. Lord, 300 ain't enough to sneeze. 300's all you need. And don't even worry about taking those swords. Just get some, get some pictures and get a light and put it in that pitcher. And you need some trumpets and that's all you need. Huh? You know, you know what? A lot of folks are trying to do serving the Lord. Oh, I got to get me an education. I got, you know, I, I'll serve the Lord, but I got to get, you know, sixty thousand dollars in the bank because you know a man's got to provide for his family, which he does. Man's got to provide for his family. I don't want my family going hungry. And you know, I got to get, you know, get all this stuff in order. You know, the Lord came by and called some fellas one day and he said follow me and they said Lord let me you know my daddy just died let me go bury him and he said let the dead bury their dead I'm more important than your dead daddy I'm I'm more important than paying respects to your dead ancestors brother Nathan your family's church of God you're going to ease up on church of God not at all you say why because the truth is more important than my ancestors Yes, sir. You say, what you're talking about? I'm talking about regaining fo- focus. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what are we here for? What are we here for? First first person we run into in the book of Acts is the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you run into them disciples. They're called apostles because it's the acts of the apostles, but them apostles before they're ever apostles They're disciples. That's who they are. Now let me run through this passage very quickly and let me just point out a couple of things and then we'll close and go home. I've already kept you here longer than I wanted to. But look here in verse 8. He said, well, look down in verse 6. They said, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, Acts 1, 6, they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto all the uttermost part of Of the earth, listen. You're not. We're not going to have a church without the involvement of the Holy Ghost. Did you? Do you know that? Listen. uh, There's a verse in the Book of Psalms that said, "Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it." You say, "Well, brother Nathan, we got a fellow standing up and preaching. You're that guy. Here I am." Brother Nathan, we got the right Bible. That's right. Here I am, Brother Nathan. We got the old fashioned hymn book. Here, here it is. Huh? We we don't have no bouncing ball. We don't have no screen up here. We're not going to this newfangled way. We're not forsaking the old time religion. But I'm telling you, listen to me. Listen to me. Without the sustaining power of the Holy Ghost, we ain't gonna have much of a church. And, and listen, the Holy Ghost is not going to move and operate in a place where He's not being leaned on. Yeah. You know why? You know why God doesn't feel welcome in a lot of places? It's because He's not needed. Hey, listen. When you get married, you fellas, when you got married, that gal really, she really did become a ball and chain, didn't she? She did. You couldn't go do some of you real quiet. I'm not sure I'm going to say amen to that. Biscuits might not show up in the morning. Yeah, they'll be in your eyeballs. Uh, Frying pan. Pow! Uh, She was a ball and chain. You couldn't go do the things that you used to do. Of course, when you get married, that's a good time to change your wants. I don't want to go do the stuff that I used to do. I had a fellow, a uh, friend of mine got married and another fella that used to hang out with him and I, this fella got married and then this third party said, well, he just changed after he got married. He didn't like to go hang out with us. I said, what did you expect him to do? Yeah. Hey, man, we celebrated his funeral when he took them vows. Yeah. <laughs> I say that in jest, but hey, I'm good with that. Hey, man, that's what he wanted. He's happy. Hey, she wasn't, she's a ball and chain, ain't she? But you know what that ball and chain is? It's a grand source of stability. Yeah. You know what got on your shoulders the day that you picked your wife up, fellas? You got some pressure. You got some pressure because somebody's now dependent on you. Somebody's leaning on you. You say, well, Brother Nathan, she works and she makes more money. Yeah, but don't you feel that little pressure on the inside to take care of her even if she gets laid up? God put that in a man. There's there's something that gal leaning on you, boy there's something that says, man, I got to make sure this gal's got something to eat. I got to make sure she's taken care of. There's some You know the Lord and you, that pressure, that pressure that you feel. You appreciate that. There's some there's something about that that is more complimentary than her coming up and saying, "Thank you." Or whatever she could say. Just the fact that she has the confidence in you for you to take care of her needs. There's something about that that's very fulfilling. Yeah. I use that as an illustration because I think most of you can identify with that. Well, you know, there's a pressure that the Lord wants you to put on him. Yeah. He wants you to lean on him. <laughs> well. You remember Genesis, over in the book of Genesis, all these fellas got together and they started making them a tower. And the Lord looked at himself and he said, go to to now. He said, let's go down there and let's see what they're doing. And they got down there and they said, man, these folks is building a building. You know, I think the Lord does that in a church. Folks are scrambling around trying to build a church, you know, trying to get people in church, trying to get people saved. And the Lord comes down and he says, what y'all doing? Oh, we're trying to build a church. Oh. Well, that's my expertise, the Holy Spirit says. I know exactly how to do that. You want my help? Oh, no, we got it. We, we, we'll, we'll get a church, and then you'll meet with us. That's a mentality that a lot of folks have. We'll build a church. We'll build this slamming church. We'll build this church that seats 500 people, and we'll fill it up, and then God's going to meet with us. No, sir. No, sir. You're going to have a little handful of people, of, of about 50 folks, in a little building like this, and God's going to meet with us, and that's what's going to grow the church. The preaching is going to go out to 50 people, and those 50 people is going to go out in the highways and hedges and say, God is speaking to people down there at people's back. God is moving among 50 people down there in a little block building on the side of the highway. They're going to go out in the highways and hedges and say, boy, you need to come hear what God's doing down there. And people are going to come in, and they're going to sit in and say, of a truth, God's in here. Well, Brother Nathan, we'll get the touch of God on this church when we get a building and we fill it up with about 500 people. No, you're going to fill it up with 500 devils more wicked than you are. Huh? And that's hard to believe they're more wicked than you. Yes, sir, it's hard to believe they're more wicked than me. Hey, but that's exactly what will come in here. If the presence of God is not kicking around in a building before we get all the crowd, and make no mistake about it, I want a crowd. You say, Brother Nathan, you just want to preach to a lot of people. Who wouldn't if you are a preacher? Y'all want to preach to one person? We'll run everybody out of here and y'all can preach to each other. No, that ain't no fun. Right. Amen. I guess you'd have to be a preacher or try to preach to understand that. But that I don't I don't believe that's the case. But hey, don't don't you want to talk to more folks? You've got a family of about five people. You want to just talk to one of them when you want to talk to all of them? No, you want to talk to all of them there. Yes, sir. Hey, you're going to get power. And let me say this, that power, that power is not political power neither. Listen to me. The emphasis of the church is not Republican and Democrat. The emphasis of the church is not Joe Biden or Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or whoever else your favorite candidate is. Ron DeSantis. That's not the emphasis of the church. Hey, I'm going to vote. And I'm going to vote extreme right wing. As extreme right wing as I possibly can. That's not the emphasis of the church. Yes, sir. We're not going to let politics come into the church and override the programs and the emphasis of the church because that's not what the church is about. Listen, if we'll put Jesus Christ, if we will allow Jesus Christ to be in his rightful place, people will vote right. They will vote right. The reason that the Southern Baptist Church lost their powers, fella, is because... They started putting more of an emphasis on politics and lobbying and getting laws passed instead of putting an emphasis on getting folks in the house of God and preaching the hell out of them and getting them saved, getting them cleaned up from their dope and getting them cleaned up from their their drinking, getting cleaned up from their fornication and their doping. They put more of an emphasis on making the hog pen more comfortable than they were putting an emphasis on, hey, we're not spending the rest of eternity here. We're going to a land... That'll never grow old. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're going to get power. But the power that a lot of folks is looking for is, I got to get to the house. I'm not talking to the house. I'm talking to the house in Atlanta, to the house in D.C. I got to get to the Senate. I got to get to the White House. I got to rub shoulders with all these guys that have all this power. You're the one with power. You're the one that God gave power. You're the one that God anointed. God didn't put no, pi- God didn't put no power on Joe Biden or yeah. Donald Trump. God gave it to his church. He gave it to his church. He gave it to his church. It's time we used it. It's time we used it. It's time we used it. Oh, my Brother Nathan, what are we going to do? I mean, how, how are we going to get through this next election? I don't know. The same way the disciples and the apostles got through Rome when they was impaling them and coating them in pitch and using them to light Caesar's garden, maybe that's the way you'll get through this next election. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're the one with power. That's right. Quit looking to Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Hold my soul. If Donald Trump don't get in office next year, the whole United States is going to fall apart. And it might. It might. It just might. Hey, if if Joe Biden gets in the next term, the whole thing might come unraveled. It might. I guess you better start praying now. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? You better get busy now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to sit here and... Watch my videos on YouTube or, you know, uh, boy, I wish I could call the, uh, the uh, conspiracy. Steve Bannon. You know, Steve Bannon's got this big radio talk show. and Boy, he just gets on there and he just roasts all these guys. And Christians eat that stuff up. I've, ta- I've talked to more Christians in the past week who have talked about what they've heard on talk show radio. And every time, the thing that wants to come out of my mouth is, how much Bible did you read today? Yeah. If you was in touch with God like you was in touch with Rush Limbaugh yeah. or Steve Bannon, you wouldn't have half the depression you got right now. Yeah. Oh, but they're conservative, brother Nathan. Conservative, my hind leg. Ninety-nine percent of those guys is Catholic. There ain't nothing conservative about a Catholic. Yeah. Nothing. Right. Yeah. Nothing. Amen. Their high priest, the Pope. He's saying that we all need to submit to a one-world government right now. He's pushing for it right now. Right now! He's pushing for a one-world government. The UN isn't working. We need to come up with a new council of nations and submit all of those nations to a one-world power. That's what Pope Francis said. There ain't nothing conservative about a Catholic. If a Catholic's conservative, he's out of touch with his church. Amen. You like that or you lump it, but that's a God's honest truth. I don't care who your family is. I don't care what anybody says. What I'm saying is, you're the one with power, folks. You're the one with power. You're the one with power. Yes, sir. You say, where does it come from? The Holy Ghost. Now look in verse 14. 12, 13. When they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew and James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. That's not Judas Iscariot, that's the other Judas. And he says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Here's my second to last point. Not quite the last, almost. Hang with me. Hang with me. You know what these folks did when they got in that upper room? They prayed. And they didn't just pray as individuals, they prayed together. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, I'll just tell you something that's lacking in this church. Because I'm here. Corporate prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Folks praying together. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. When you show up in the book of Acts, it's not people going down to their houses praying. It's folks coming to a common place and praying. Right. Hmm. And it don't have to necessarily be around these altars, although that would be good. But just folks praying together. Somebody coming and grabbing you and saying, hey, man, I'd appreciate it if you'd come pray with me about this. I got this going on in my life, and I don't really want to say a whole lot about it as far as details, but I'd really appreciate you praying. Oh, yeah, come on, let's go. Let's go pray. Yeah. Just take about 30 minutes. Take about 60 minutes and just pray about the thing. You say, Brother Nathan, I ain't got that much time to pray. I know. It shows. Amen. That's why you're worried about the election. You're going to receive power. See, folks are so worried. They're so worried. And I'm not telling you not to, I'm not telling you to put your head in the sand but what I'm telling you is you've got an unseen power that you're not tapping into because you're not willing to apply the program that God's already gave us. Yeah. Regain your focus, man. Refocus. Hey, lady, regain your focus. We're the ones that's supposed to be not running this world. This world's going to hell in a ham basket. Yeah. Yeah. But you can have an influence on it. You rock this world. Those disciples showed up in a town one day and a bunch of the leaders of the town got together and they said, hey, these are those Christians that have turned the world upside down. That ain't said about Christians today. That's said about guys like Ozzy Osbourne and... Huh? My, I know that's old stuff. It's because I don't keep up. I was going to say Michael Jordan. I don't keep up with any of the new stuff because I just don't care. You know, the latest sports figure and the latest supermodel and the latest contemporary Christian music artist. Yeah, she painted a pretty picture, didn't she? Anyways, Uh, these all continued with one accord and in in, in prayer and supplication with the women. Oh, there's some women doing something there. And them women, they can't do nothing down at People's Baptist. You can pray. Yeah. I'm so glad the Lord is not a respecter of genders when it comes to prayer. Because I believe, I believe I've known some hard prayers in my life that weren't fellas, There was ladies. Here's these ladies doing something. Hey, listen, let me ask you something. Why do you underrate prayer so much? Do you know that you could really get some answers through your prayers? I mean, while you're praying, I don't mean pray and then go away and God would answer your prayer. I'm talking about pray and say, God, I don't understand this. I really pray for an answer. And while you're praying, God would give you the answer. The answer would come to you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's what you see in the church. That's what you see in the church. And then I'm not going to read the whole text, but let me point this out. In chapter, in chapter 1, verse 15, going on down, Peter starts talking and he says, this Judas thing. Judas came through here and he was numbered with us 12 apostles. And he didn't stick with us to the end. And did you know that some folks is not going to stick with us to the end? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not happy about that, but that is, that's going to happen. Yeah. Yes, sir. John said in First John, he said, they went out from us because they were not of us that it might be made manifest that they're not of us. Be brought out into the open. They're not like us. That's why they couldn't stay. You know what Peter says? Peter doesn't waste five minutes being upset at Judas. He doesn't waste five seconds complaining about the fact that they're not here. You know what he does? He looks around and he says, you know, there are another 120 disciples because there was. They was all gathered in that upper room. He looks around and he looks at those and he says, there's two of those fellows that's good candidates. Let's fill in Judas's place. Let's just, just let Judas go where he's going to go. That's what it says at the end of the passage, at the end of the chapter. Let's figure out who God wants us to fill in this position so that Judas can go to his own place. We're going to let Judas do what he wants to do you know where Judas went? Judas went to hell. Yeah. Judas died and went to hell. Yeah. And a lot of times you have to let people maybe not go to hell in a spiritual sense, but that, that's what they'll do with their life. Yeah. What can you do, man? i tell you what you can do. Fill in the gap. Yeah. There's a breach in the ranks. Yeah. Hey, that's going to happen sometimes. Well, what do we do when that happens? Well, why don't you pray about filling in that gap? You said, Brother Nathan, I'm not qualified. How about getting qualified? Yeah. Step up. Yeah. Step up. Somebody's going to have to. Yeah. God, God help us if we can't find no fellas to fill in Judas's spot. Yeah. And a lady's going to try to fill it in. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. The Lord said, looked around in the book of, I believe it was the book of Ezekiel, and he said, He said, I looked around and sought for a man to make up the hedge. He said, I couldn't find any. And you know what happened? You you know what happened not too much longer after that? That whole nation just crumbled apart. The Lord's talking about a situation that took place before Babylon came in and ransacked them and carried them off into captivity. I looked around and tried to find a fellow that would fill in the gap and try to preach the truth and try to say what was right, try to stick by my principles even when everybody was against them. And I couldn't find nobody. So I had to just bring Nebuchadnezzar in here because these folks were so wicked and just let them carry them all off by. Hey, what you going to do? What you going to do? I hope what you do tonight, whether you come to an altar tonight or not, that's up to you. But I hope what you do tonight is I hope you get your focus back. Regain your focus. Hey, go out of here tonight with some purpose in your heart. I'm going to do my best to do something this week. I'm going to spend some time praying this week. I'm going to spend some time in my Bible this week. I'm going to spend some time trying to make a difference in this life before I hit the grave. Yes, sir. May the Lord be with you. May the Lord be with you. God, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us tonight. Lord, I pray, God, Lord, that the words of this message, God, the words of the Scripture, God, would sink down into the hearts of the hearers. God, I pray that you do something, God, Lord, and help us. God, help us to purpose. Lord, help us to live with purpose. Help us. Lord, it sounds really silly, but God, it's so true, it's so needed. Lord, help us to live, God, with a prominent sense of our identity. God, help us to realize who we are. God, help us not to get so caught up in this life. Lord, we're here, we're part of it. Lord, but help us not to get so caught up in it, Lord, we forget who we truly are. Lord, help us tonight, God, we pray. Lord, some folks gathered around the altars, Lord, I pray that you deal with them. God, Lord, help them. Lord, the folks that are sitting in their seat, God, I pray you'd help them. God, Lord, just deal all over the building. God, we're so needy. God, Lord, we're leaning on you. God, Lord, we're depending on the Holy Spirit, God, to do something in our hearts. God, like Jeremiah said, he said, turn us and we shall be turned. Lord, unless you do that, God, Lord, we're hopeless. God, we're a hopeless case. Help us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some folks that come tonight, if you need to do business with God, do so. Do so as he leads. The Lord's a merciful God. Yes, he is.